0: On this edition of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast, we begin a series of previews of Alberta's teams heading into the 2019 Western Canadian Baseball League season. Welcome to episode 30 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. This might be a little earlier than you were expecting for a brand new episode to drop, but there is a little method to the madness. With the WCBL season fast approaching, we wanted to do something different. And so over the next three weeks, we'll be giving you two episodes a week instead of just one. On Mondays, we'll have WCBL previews to go along with our usual Thursday episodes. Let's face it, there are so many great storylines to get to, and we just didn't want to miss out on any of the action. With that all said, let's get right to it. We'll start our previews with the defending WCBL champions, the Medicine Hat Mavericks. The club bonded early and led the league with a 38-9 regular season record before getting through Lethbridge, Edmonton, and Regina in tough playoff series to claim the championship. With a new banner adorning Athletic Park next to the ones earned in 2003 and 2014, the Mavs will be looking to repeat, and hoping to get them to that point is owner Greg Morrison. Greg, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for asking, Joe. You guys are the reigning Western Canadian Baseball League champions, and so the question becomes, entering into the offseason and looking ahead to this season, have you thrown more pressure on yourself to uh, one-up yourself heading into this season?
1: You know, last season was exciting all around. We had uh, we were one win away from the league record. We ended up having three playoff rounds, two of them that went best of five. Um, it's a tough act to follow. Um, you know, I, I just I try to do the best I can with my resources. I know that every other team in this league, they're improving their resources and their recruiting. Um, so a lot of it just comes down to trying to do the best I can with my uh, resources. So we'll see, you know, you're always good on paper. I think every team right now feels they're a contender and uh, that's why you got to go roll the balls out and play the games. We'll find out soon enough.
0: When you look back on last season and you look to the very beginning of the season versus where you guys ended up, did you envision that team being as good as it ended up being?
1: Uh, You definitely aspire to have that. Um, But, you know, we had a couple things fall through really late with a couple players um, and the replacement guys we got turned out, I think two of them became all-stars. So you just never know what's going to happen. You never know if, you know, it is a game of attrition, whether it's some of the players run into a uh, long college playoff season, so you might lose a couple of your aces right in, you know, June 1st. So, um, But once once I saw the guys out on the field and the camaraderie and the way they were clicking, Um, It was pretty quick, you could tell. We had a great coaching staff that really got along with the players. The players were just, um, and the fans still talk about that team. We've had some great teams in the 10 years that I've had this organization, but last year it just really seemed like guys were not thinking about themselves. It was all about each other from the first pitch on till the championship fly out at the end of the year so.
0: Is that a tough thing to try to navigate the waters through heading into a season? Is you don't necessarily have that camaraderie with players as someone who is putting the, the organization together. You're hoping to get some good attitudes, but uh, it's sort of a crapshoot right up until they show up for camp, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, it's a little different for me now. The first four years I was, you know, wore all the hats of GM and head coach. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to those players in the winter because I was signing every one of them now you got to have a lot of faith in your your coaching staff but I still feel it's really important to get on the phone talk to these guys whether it's for a summer college league or uh, you know I'm sure when you talk to regular college coaches or some of the academies you got to get a feel for that player what what makes them tick inside how he responds Um, and I think that's where it begins for us is in the winter Um, you know just trying to talk to these guys and see really what what makes them tick and what their love of the game is and and uh, you know, knock on wood. we've had a decent formula for uh, what we try to do from mini camp all the way through the season to get these guys to click.
0: And that's kind of the challenge, too, is you're looking at different uh, attitudes. You're looking at, hey, you're you're trying to convince, in some cases, uh, some Americans who've never been up to Canada to say, hey, come on up to Alberta and and try to play some ball. And and so there's probably some challenges in that. But at the same time, with uh, today's day and age, the Internet, you can reach out on social. You can see what they're doing, how they're handling things. And so you get a bit of a better picture in terms of what kind of person you're getting along with the athlete that's putting up the numbers in their respective schools.
1: And absolutely. And that's when I'm talking about resources, it's, you know, it's, it's a game of how much time can you put into, you know, research, talking to this player directly, talking to his coaches, trying to reach out. You know, I found in the years that our former players, you know, the relationships we've built with these guys that they become our best recruiters because of word of mouth and and some of the stuff they're putting out on social media. So, um, you know, I was, I was new to the college scene in 2009 And uh, every year I I feel that it's just one step closer to trying to build that reputation with whether it's American guys or, you know, we had a player from Guam last year, Japan, um, just try to put out a really good program that the players, in essence, when they want to play summer college baseball, you're who they think of.
0: That's kind of the cool part, too. Last year, we had a couple of Aussies in the league, like you said, players from Guam all over the place. And so it becomes really an international recruiting affair that you're putting yourself through over the course of the winter.
1: Absolutely. And I find, um, you know, you try to maintain some stability with the coaching staff. I find if you can get, uh, you know, whether it's your head coach or a couple of other guys over two to three years, it really helps build that program um because they can build their networks out but yeah the way it is with social media now and the internet i mean um you know people are quite surprised when i tell them that i'm not flying around jet setting scouting players They say no with between uh online video and kids with their phones they can send you some video of them hitting or throwing a bullpen with the radar gun in the video um you know stat links are very good nowadays i mean there's there's, you know, there's very few sites that you can't get really quickly, the stats and almost in, in live stats from these players. So um, it's a research game for us, um, you know, on the player side, you know, you could m- maybe say it's a little uh, cloudy for them at times because now every guy can kind of be sending that information out. But uh, just access to the players and their information has been huge for us and really I'd say the
0: last three to four years. And not just the international and national guys, but you have some local talent as well that has been uh, percolating in the system, whether it be through Hat High or McCoy. I mean, you guys have been looking all over the place for the best talent available locally as well.
1: Yeah, and it's, you know, from uh, 10 years ago when you had guys like Joel Lutz and Mitch Fry to uh, this year we'll have Nolan Rattay returning, who is an all star. Um, You know, that's the warm spot for me and and really why I do this is, you know, I was pretty fortunate to get those years in the minor leagues being a medicine hat boy. And as much as I can give an opportunity to the medicine hat kids, um, you know, that's a big, big warm spot for me. Um, You know, with that said, I also tip my hat to some of these kids who literally from California say, hey, I want to come up there, I want to play for you because I heard it's a great league and you can try and help us open some doors, whether it's professionally or independent route. Um, you know, I don't take that lightly either. That we can hopefully become a stepping stone, whether you're a local guy or from Guam, and um, you know, that's I, I feel very uh, blessed that I can stay around the game and and be able to pass that information on that I've learned as a player and a coach and some of those networks that I've built myself.
0: Has there anything that's been taking you by surprise as you've gone through your maturation from being that player to being a coach, to being a mentor, to being, you know, owning and operating and basically running the entire show in Medicine Hat?
1: Yeah. um, You know, I have, I have uh, upwards of a hundred sponsors. So these are guys, business owners, men and women who I lean on every winter and talk about sponsorship, but really they mentor me. um, And I've just, I've just been amazed at how much there is to learn, not just about the baseball operations, but the business operations. And, you know, uh, being on a podcast right now, I can tell you the content I consume, whether it's uh, uh, business content or sport therapy or mechanics of hitting, um, it's out there. And a guy just has to keep learning. Um, You know, early on, I thought in those first one or two seasons that with my background as a player, I would have this league figured out, but it actually took uh, several years to put together a championship team. And, um, you know, we're, we're there. We're one of the contenders usually every year, but it's just the competition level, whether it's the other governors in this league or the other teams, the coaches, everybody's getting smarter, everybody's getting better. And, uh, you know, being a ball player, I'm a competitive guy. I love that. Um, But yeah, I've just, I've been amazed at how much it takes to keep going and, and, how if complacency creeps in, and I knew that as a player too, if that creeps in and you start thinking you're the guy or you got it figured out,
0: baseball's got a harsh way of kind of keeping you in check. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Speaking of keeping players in check, let's keep some of those in check. Heading into this season now, who are you looking forward to uh, seeing on the field and having the fans be entertained by?
1: Well, we, we have some returning guys from that team. We got eight guys returning, so... Um, you know, Nolan was an all star. He's a local guy, so he'll be on the right side there every day. He can bounce around a little bit to short and third. Um, Sal Rodriguez, he uh you know, he's he's got some accolades there at Minot, as does Jamin Cervantes. Uh we got Colton Wright from British Columbia who's our catcher. We got Reed Al Albin returning who's from Alberta. So, you know, there's gonna be some familiar names, I think more than ever. I think our fans, like it's been pretty awesome where um, you know, every few years we buy new jerseys and and we literally, Facebook just blew up when we posted that because people were like, hey, I want so-and-so's jersey, and so these guys that are coming back have really built a following, and and it's a testament to them because we did upwards of 25 player appearances last year, and to have these guys go out in the community or have schools come to Athletic Park has really just been an important part of what we've done for 10 years, but some sort of tipping point happened last year that uh, the community has just embraced us with open arms.
0: And that's got to be the cool part, too, not just for the community, but also for the players, because it gives them a, a sense of belonging and a sense of community for for some of them for such a short amount of time, because they are only in town for three or four months.
1: Yeah, and you know, some of these guys come from fairly big programs, but a lot of them, um, you know, they might be getting a couple hundred fans a game. Mm-hmm. And whether it's Okotoks, 3,500 fans, or Medicine Hat, 1,200, 1,500 fans, or even going out east into some of those smaller communities, they are really getting a taste of, of what minor league baseball is. Um, You know, it's, it's a 12 team league, every market's different. And I think that's, what's very unique about our league. And I really like that. Uh, But yeah, these guys, they get it, you know, they, they are willing to do these things for the community and they're very appreciative. Um, You know, it's, it's a great attitude when these guys say, Hey, thank you, Mr. Morrison for the opportunity and they are out and they're doing stuff in the community. And, and it, uh, it makes it all worthwhile because, you know, nobody's getting rich doing this, what we do in this league. And uh, when the guys are appreciative, it puts a lot of fuel in our tank.
0: Mm-hmm. Any new names on the roster this year that people should be taking notice of?
1: Uh, Austin Soika is uh, a guy who is a preseason All-American. Um, he hit 400 this year with 10-plus home runs. He's going to be interesting to see at third base. Uh, we picked up a guy, P.J. Garcia. Who's also from California? Hit 400 with uh, eight home runs. He's a shortstop slash third baseman. Um, there's a couple arms. We got some. We took a couple flyers on some young guys, uh, guys that don't have a bunch of innings under them. Um, but our head coach Tom Basella has a couple guys that I think are going to really help us out. His acumen as a former AAA pitcher with the Giants. He's a he's a coach now at Moore Park. As a actually a professor, he's taking his PhD, which is pretty pretty impressive. I think that'll be a first for us having a guy. Uh, maybe we'll be calling him Doctor next summer if he comes back. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, we're going to have a, a nice dose of some veteran guys, returning guys, and some young guys that we hope can go out there and help impact.
0: When you have different coaches coming in and out of the program like you've had over the last few, do you try to aim for some continuity in the way that your team is playing? Or do you let the coaches do their job and and surveil what talent you have and play to those strengths? Or how do you approach uh, the coaching side of it and making sure that you're getting the most out of your players?
1: Well, uh, it's not a written structure but it's something I think intuitively, you know, when I look at those depth charts at, at 1230 at night and, and, you know, those depth charts, let me tell you, there's about 40 versions from September till (laughs) June 1st. Um, you know, it's just literally, how do you get better? How do you make this guy work with that guy? How do you make sure that, um, you know, you want to put as many good guys on the field as you can. You do need a balance just like any organization and, and, um, you know, to me, I try to find a bit of a balance between some of the older guys, some of those junior senior guys, with some younger guys, because um, it it is a big benefit to have more than four or five guys returning every year. And I found that if you're loaded up too much with too many older guys, you're going to lose a whole whole bunch of players. Um, you know, so there is a bit of a balance there. But when it's a new head coach, I'm, I have a little bit more input once the coaches have seen the league. Um, and I can tell you when they get here, they are very impressed. They say, wow, this league from the facilities to the level of talent. Um, so I do, I do kind of keep a little bit more input on that first season. And then after that, if you can get these guys, these coaches back for a couple of years, uh, it's pretty much here you go. You guys
0: know what it takes to win. From the fan experience aspect heading into this season, anything new, anything that you should be keeping an eye out for as they're looking ahead to towards Athletic Park? We
1: are always aiming to keep it as affordable as possible here. Um, That's been our aim. Um, You know, we have our between-inning promotions as usual. We have a lot of great sponsors that have literally been sponsoring since I bought the team. Um, I think they really like what we're doing. Uh, But, yeah, we're just trying to make it a meeting place that you don't necessarily have to be a diehard baseball fan, but you just want to unplug, get away, take the family out for a little bit. Um, you know on some of it there is a bit of a evolution for us in regards to the game day in regards to our concessions we are starting to get involved into the buzz of what food trucks are so we are adding a a food truck uh, an east indian food that has french fries and poutine we are actually farming out our ice cream now instead of doing it ourselves. we have a great local provider called swirls they're bringing down a trailer so we are just trying to make this uh, a great outdoor event, and whether it's baseball or any other event that could be running at Athletic Park, we want people to know that they're going to get great value when they come here, and they're going to have two to three hours of just great time, whether it's family or a couple buddies, or you know, we're having these, these deck parties now that are about 90% booked already where you can book anywhere from 25 to 80 people, and people are just loving that, that
0: group outing and sharing time with each other. Oh, man, swirls, ice cream, forgot all about them. Oh, i got to go back to Med Hat all of a sudden now. <laughs> Book me on the first flight out. Uh, one other thing that they're going to be seeing when they arrive is the new banner, the right outside the, the main gates there. What does it mean to you to be able to look at that as you go into Athletic Park every day and, and do what you do?
1: You know, it's icing on the cake. Um, you know, I don't measure every bit of our success by the banners we have on our stadium but uh you know as as an athlete that's what you're doing you're trying to get these kids pulling together and it's what it represents more than anything of um you know these guys come together they leave their home for the summer they could easily just be hanging out at home working out taking the summer off they take that risk they have the trust in me and the organization to come up here then they have the trust once they get here to say hey we want to do this and pull together and what that represents I know these guys when they receive their rings, and I talk to these guys, and I still talk to guys from 10 years ago. Whether they played D1 or D3 Juco, they remember their summers in Medicine Hat, which to me is really a big part of why I do it. Um, you know, so, yeah, the the rings are, are in hand. These guys loved them. It was great them kind of sharing them with uh, some photos on social media, and I just know that those will be uh, those will be a great, memorable Uh, representation of what this summer was last
0: year and looking forward to a memorable summer maybe again this year greg thanks so much for joining us on the podcast thanks for the invite joe i appreciate what you guys are doing for uh, alberta and baseball from the southeast corner of the province to the furthest north we can go the fort murray giants are into their fourth season in the wcbl they just missed the playoffs last season finishing a couple games back of lethbridge in an effort to get over the hump and get into a title fight, they found a familiar face in Alberta baseball circles to lead the charge. Former Edmonton prospects coach Ray Brown will guide the club this season. Ray, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. It's a little bit of a different season for you as you're going a little further north than usual. Talk a little bit about the progression during the offseason and what has led you to uh, being ahead of the uh, Fort McMurray Giants.
2: Well, as I think as you're aware, last uh, year we finished our season and then we had another successful season. Uh, And then after the season, myself uh, and uh, I sat down with Mr. Pat Cassidy and we talked about the upcoming season. Uh, He wanted to make a few changes that that I wasn't uh, real happy about. But it's not my ball club. He's the one who pays the bills for it. So we we decided that uh, it was time for us to go our separate ways. I didn't want to stay involved and, and cause him any problems. He doesn't need problems, uh, and so it was best for me to try to find somebody else. If so if somebody looking for a coach.
0: And you ended up looking at Fort uh, Fort McMurray. Talk us through that progression and how that all came to be.
2: Well, what when I, after I talked to Pat and and I knew that we couldn't come to a a compromise that was good for both of us. I gave Duchy uh, Leonetti a call and I I asked him if. Uh, um, if, uh, if Pat Riley was, was going to be back next year, he said, no, Pat decided to stay in the States and because uh, I guess he has a full-time job at university now. And so I asked uh, Dutchie, are you looking for a coach? He says, absolutely. I says, "What well, would you consider me? He says, absolutely. I says, okay, <laughs> then uh, let's, let's talk a little bit and uh, let's see if we can come to an agreement. Why Fort Mac for you? Well, it's, uh, it's, it's close. Like, uh, I was, uh, um, I was gonna, I, I was going to consider, uh, Okie or, 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 uh, um, or a medicine hat because, uh, I, I know both those people very well. And I know that and not Lethbridge is, well. Lethbridge, uh, they usually have their same guy coming back to back there. Uh, I didn't want to go to Brooks. Brooks was way too far for me. And, uh, I think it's not a real good situation right now. And, um, and I believe, uh, my wife has some family in Fort McMurray. So when she goes up to watch us, she's got a place to stay. And uh, you know what? The, probably the biggest reason, one of the biggest reasons is because Dutchie is a good man. Uh, he's, I think he's a fair man. I, I think he cares about his players. He cares about the city. He cares about doing a good job for, the, for Fort McMurray. And I thought it, that that would be a good fit. And uh, I only met him. Uh, I guess four years ago when, when they came into the league and they had to play their first part of the season in Edmonton. That's why I got to know him. Mm-hmm. And just watching what he does, talking to him, talking to his to, to his players and the people that worked for him, I said, this might be a good guy to work for. And, uh, yeah, th- th- that's that's the biggest reason why. How
0: excited are you to be joining a, an organization that is still in its growing phase and still trying to to create its identity and, and to be able to be a part of that and maybe put your own stamp on things?
2: Well, I, 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 I think it's good. I, I appreciate the, the opportunity to go there and help them. Uh, in, in fact, I mentioned to him and and to Andrew Bradbury, I, I said, Andrew, really for the last couple of years in my opinion you guys have had a better team than we've had here in Edmonton i think player wise their their, their roster was stronger and i think uh if if their manager would have done a few things differently, uh they would have been to the playoffs like i was really surprised last year that they weren't in the playoffs i thought that that team was was a very strong team and i said hopefully i can come there with the with the players you've been recruiting and we'll play uh We'll play the game a little bit differently, and we'll get you to the playoffs. Um, and I, I just think it's, a, uh, I think it's a good fit. I, I think um, bringing some of the style that, that I bring to Fort McMurray is, is, is going to be good for the community. It's going to be good for the kids that, that that come and play for me. I think they're going to learn a, a few different things. Uh, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Now, for sure, it's four hours farther from Edmonton, so it's a little harder on my family, but we all have to sacrifice. Mm-hmm.
0: Talk a little bit about the the process that you've gone through over the last little while. Are you having a, a big stamp in uh, the recruiting process? And, and what are you looking forward to most as you get ready for uh, first pitch this season?
2: Well, what I've done mostly is I've, let, I've, I've left the recruiting to Andrew. He does a good job at that. Like uh, He tells me who he's going after. I, I go and have a look at him. Uh, I, I give him my opinion. And I, and I tell him uh, if, if if you like this kid because he he's uh, he doesn't uh, he he's pretty thorough he investigates pretty much every kid that's going to come in here. I said I have no problem with that. I said uh, but we will discuss him and if you can convince me we're going to keep them. I said but I said Andrew but understand my reputation is I will send guys home. So if we bring in an import player who isn't better than the local kid that guy's going home he says, we understand that. We know how you operate. I says, then life's going to be good. Well, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I think, as, as you know, I'm, I'm pretty much Canadian. Yeah. Even though I'm a, I was raised in, in Long Beach, California, all my baseball from California. When I moved to Canada, if this is going to be my home, then where I have to develop baseball is where I live. So Because the kids aren't going to leave. They're going to be here. And so that's going to help grow the game. And so, even uh, my style in, in, in the Wimble is the same thing. I'd rather have more Canadians than, than I would import because the import goes home. And we don't have to, we really don't have to develop the American the kid. He has enough to development tools across to the border. Uh, the, the kid we have to worry about is the Canadian kid, the one who's going to live here if we want the game to grow where we live. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so as far as, as recruiting goes, Andrew's done a great job for us. We have a couple of guys coming with me that that were with the prospects, and that's going to help. Uh, Rich Walker is coming up to play, which is which is really good for us. Uh, and who else? I think we have one more guy coming. I, I can't remember who it was, but uh, uh, and I have Michael Gone coming to be my pitching coach. So yeah, it's it's, it's going to be fun. I'm I'm really looking forward to it.
0: Talk a little about your pitching staff in particular because, as you mentioned, you have Rich Walker. You also have a kid like Tyler Hodder coming back who's been uh, dominant in the CCBC again, and he is very good for Fort Mac this year. I mean, you've got some pretty nice pieces that are coming back to this organization already.
2: Oh, yeah, and, he, and you add those two guys to, to, to Mr. Nick Cardinal. Uh, I think we're going to be pretty strong on the mound. I, I, I like what I'm saying uh, as I go and, and have a look at how these guys are doing at their colleges. Uh, yeah, I like I like what the numbers are putting up. As, as uh, again, I like strike throwers. I don't care how hard we throw, but I I want you to throw strikes. If, if you throw strikes, we'll get guys that can catch it for you. And, uh, and it looks like well, like they all throw strikes. There's been a couple that I've uh, had a discussion with, with with Andrew. He stayed on top of them. And if, if they don't, the, the numbers don't improve, then we'll let them go and try to find two others. But I think our pitching is going to be pretty strong. I think our I, I think we're going to have a very good defensive club.
0: Is there an identity that you want your team to envelop while you're in Fort McMurray?
2: Well, only like the, the, what I take with me that, that we're going we're gonna to play hard. We're, we're going to know how to play the game. We're going to hustle. We're going to do the things that baseball players should do to be successful. Every time we leave that field, I don't know if we're going to win the game or lose the game, but I, I want to be able to go into the clubhouse after the game and say, guys, you gave me 100%. We may not like the result, but I like the effort. Now we just got to get better. Uh, I can live with that Uh, for sure. Everybody wants to win. It'd be nice to be 56 and 0, but uh, if we got to go 500 or whatever it is, but every game, every time we cross the line, we give our best effort. I can live with that, and I think so can the fans.
0: What do you think it's going to take for your team to get over that hump of uh, you know just being on the outskirts of the playoffs and finally getting into uh, into that mix heading into the the latter part of July and early August?
2: Well, I, I, I think uh, the, the one thing that hurts the uh, Fort worries is, is that we're the farthest team away. But the schedule this year they revised it to make it a lot easier. So when, whenever we go on the road, we're gone like for seven days, eight days. In fact, our, our first uh, we start on the road, we're gone five days. Then we come home, we're home for seven days, and we go on for five, six days. That's going to help us. And I think uh, maybe a little different philosophy of how we're going to play. Uh, I, again, uh, I, played a, I played a small game. I'm not afraid to bunt, to steal, to hit and run, um, to, to do those kinds of things, advance runners to try to score a run. Uh, I don't sit back and wait for the three-run homer. I, I guess that's not how I was raised. Uh, again, being uh, with my baseball in Long Beach, California – We've, we played to generate runs. And, and I guess the biggest thing is growing up with the L.A. Dodgers. Growing up with the Dodgers, when they came in 58, they were a small ball team. Pitching and defense won games. Hell, they there for a lot of years. They were, they were last in batting average and last in home runs, but they won a couple of World Series because they could pitch and play defense. Mm-hmm. As, as as long as the other team doesn't score any runs, we can play forever.
0: Absolutely. Talk a little about uh, that road trip to start the year off. I mean, that's got to be big in the I know talking to different teams is it's almost a good thing because you have such a short season. It gives you that opportunity for the players to bond on the bus and on the road. They get to kind of meet and greet each other and spend some actual quality time together. Do you think that plays uh, well into your hands?
2: I think it does. I think I think it's whatever the 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 coach and manager bring to it. I think if you bring in that that the feeling of we're a team and we're going to work together, I think it's beneficial. But I think if you have a coach that that doesn't think like that, then I think it can be harmful, especially if if you start off on on a rocky on a rocky path. So I I think for us, it's it's going to be a good thing. Will we come back five and zero, or will we come back at one five? Well, we're hoping we come back at least three and two, or maybe four and one. But like I said, if if we go out there and play the best we can play, what, whatever the record is, we come back with, we'll we'll have to we'll have to address
0: how important is it for you to create that environment around the ballpark where not just for the players, but also for the fans, that they get a glimpse of, you know, that working hard and that defense first mentality and, and going 110%. Because at that point, then the, the crowd will be able to get into it and you create a bit of a culture around uh, Shell Place.
2: Well, I think quite the same things that, 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 that I did when I was in Abidin. Just the, the fan coming out and watching how we go about our business. How we uh like if, if you notice know in the league we, we were probably the only team that bloused their pants That means we have we had our pants tucked up we were the only team that did that mm-hmm. and we'll, we're gonna do that same thing in Fort McMurray. so there's there's little things that that, that I do that that create discipline and uh, and I think that discipline is very important especially with everybody not just young kids but coming from a program to where they're to where they're able to wear their hair as long as they want it or dress how they want to want to come to our program where we expect you to do this. Like when you look at professional baseball, the New York Yankees, you see nobody with long hair or beards or mustaches on their team. That's that, that's how they run their business. Mm-hmm. You want to be a Yankee? This is how you're going to dress. If you don't want to be a Yankee, then go play for those guys. And and so if you want to play for the, uh, for, the for the Giants, this is how you're going to dress. Your, your hair will be this long. These are the things you're going to do. If you can't live within those guidelines, we'll put you on the plane and send you home. Pretty pretty simple. Like I'm not a big rules guy mm-hmm. either because when you have rules, you have to enforce them. So I like very few rules. I like I like my players to listen to what's being said and, and just follow the direction. Make life easy. Absolutely. I'm curious, you've alluded
0: to it a couple of times, but you've kind of become an honorary Canadian, in a sense, from Cal- being from California. What's made you love Canada so much and keep- make you keep coming back?
2: Well, I guess the one thing was my wife. <laughs> <laughs> How to do it. <laughs> I, came, I, I came to Canada in 1975. Uh, I played four years of professional baseball in the Royals organization, I was released in the, in the spring of 1975. Well, while well, well, I was, while well, I was going to Long Beach state, I, I had met Orr Franchuk and Orr Franchuk went to Pepperdine. He graduated from Pepperdine, but he was at Long Beach state working on his master's. Well, I was introduced to him in about 1972 or 73. And he told me where he was from. And he said, they had a, a semi pro team up here in Eppin called the the taggers. He says, if I ever get a place to play, give him a call. Well, in 1975, when I was released, I gave him a call. So I came up in 75 uh, to play with the Tigers. Uh, we went to the tournament in La Bish, the powwow tournament, and that's where I met my wife. Came back in 1976 to play again. Uh, we got married, and I decided to, to call Canada my home. my home. And uh, in 1977, I became the head coach of the MD um, Tigers. And my philosophy then was we're gonna we're gonna stop bringing in uh, imports and we're gonna start developing local players. <clears throat> and the, the, the board of the Tigers at the time said, "Yeah, but we're not we won't do very well." I said, "You're right, we won't do very well at the beginning." I said, "But as we move on, we're going we're, we're, we're gonna do better than the other guys because we know what we have coming up and kids are gonna want to come play for us because we become a, a, a local attraction." that they can play the highest level of baseball right here with the with the Tigers. And that's what happened. Guys like Randy Gregg, guys like uh, Doug McPhail, guys like Gordy Gerlach, guys like uh, uh, Doug McPhail, all these guys that, that were Canadians, well, the, the, well, Greg and those guys were from here. McPhail, uh, those guys were from other places. They came here, they became Taggers, and they've stayed, in, in, in the, and they've helped grow the game as well. Right now, Doug, Doug McPhail is, is going to be doing some work with, with Okotoks. Mm-hmm
0: amazing, the, the lineages that way. And when you look back on it, are you amazed that you ended up staying in Canada? I mean, it was one of those things where, you know, you're, it's so far from home, it's one of those you almost expect to come back year after year, and yet here you are sticking around.
2: Well, uh, uh, I tell you this, my first winter, I almost got in the car and drove back to California. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew how cold minus 40 was. It's cool, but uh, I, w- I was able to, to, to get a job with Northwest Utilities, which is Atco Gas now. Uh, again, I got that job because of a man named Adam Knoll. Adam Knoll was a big baseball, softball guy, and, and he had heard of me, and, and uh, so I went down to the gas company. I put in my application. He gave me a job, and I, I worked there for about, well, 16 years. And while I was doing that, I was still coaching the Tigers and coaching uh, a a team out in Warren, Warrenville, and I was and I was being involved with baseball, Alberta with uh, with their provincial program, and uh, yeah, so it worked out really good for me. And then in 1993, uh, there was a job in, in Oceania, which is the North and South Pacific, that was being advertised through uh, Baseball Oceania, uh, and I applied for that job. And for the last, and that was 19, so in 93, I took a leave of absence from the gas company, went to see how this was going to work, came back in 94. Uh, quit my job at the gas company and from 93 till now I do baseball in the Northern South Pacific and I do summer baseball here with the, uh, w- it and Lord's blessed Ray Brown. Pretty good. It's
0: uh, been a lot of air miles, I assume frequent flyer miles for you. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's been a fun venture and looking forward to seeing uh, the new chapter that you're writing with Fort McMurray. Uh, Ray, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast.
2: Uh, thank you for having me and all the best.
0: That'll do it for this edition of the podcast. Big thanks to all the teams for helping line these up. As mentioned, these previews will roll out each Monday over the next couple of weeks, while we will continue with our usual podcast schedule on Thursdays. So now is the time to subscribe to the podcast, then you won't miss any of the action. If you're listening through Apple Podcasts, do us a huge favor and leave us a rating and review. And while you're flipping through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, snap a picture of you listening to the pod, then share it. All those kinds of things help spread the word about us, which is greatly appreciated. Until next time, thanks again for supporting Alberta Dugout Stories on all of our platforms.